Welcome back to the basement, everyone. You are now turned into Chunky Glasses, the podcast. I am your host, Kevin, as usual. It is good to be back. It is good to be on the normal schedule again here uh, in the rock basement. We've got a really good podcast for you this week. Uh, Mary McLaughlin has been on our podcast once before. She's actually our last podcast of 2014, I believe. At that point, uh, she was here talking about her album, Derive, uh, which if you haven't heard that album, uh, shame on you, check it out. But I'm guessing that you're listening to this, you probably have heard that album. So uh, either way, show notes, links, hit it up. Um, at, at the end of that podcast, we started talking a little bit about uh, her new album, Spirit House, how it was going to be coming together. Uh, that album is now finished. So uh, she took me up on my offer to say, come back anytime. And her and her collaborator, Ethan Foote, who is also a collaborator with our friend Sarah Curtin, plays bass in both bands, did the arrangements on Spirit House, stopped by the basement uh, a couple weekends ago. Just say, uh, just to check in and talk about the new album, talk about uh, some shows they got coming up. And uh, really, really, it was a delightful afternoon uh, with these two talking about. Uh, an album that I think you're going to love uh, when, when you get it. You know, it, it's sort of uh, very anglophilic. You hear us get into that a little bit, but it definitely, it, it certainly takes you on a little musical journey, uh, which, you know, is sometimes a really great uh, alternative, an escape from, you know, these like immediate pop hits. And sometimes you want to think about it and, and uh, sort of experience it and spend some time with it. And uh, Marion's music certainly. Uh, enables you to do that so we've got that for you today uh hang out uh after the interview for a little bit too because we're gonna be playing a song from a guy by the name of monk parker i'm gonna tell you a little bit more about that uh after the interview uh but as for the intro right now i think we have reached the end of it so here we go this is episode number 130 of chunky glasses the podcast uh our chat with mary mclaughlin and ethan foot about their new album spirit house and it finishes here two men enter one man. Nearly a two word review is just a shit sandwich. That right there he is a wonderful power. <laughs> just talk about the fjords um if you guys are ready you good yeah yeah marion sure. welcome back thank you Kevin. thank you it's always great when somebody comes back a second time they aren't scared <laughs> the basement didn't scare them off the cats didn't scare them off i love cats uh ethan foot welcome thank you pleasure to this be is, here uh I, i'm gonna apologize to you on air for not getting the song played <laughs> you oh, said, but no and i was actually because i was telling marion that we were listening to uh, her album in Iceland. We actually listened to yours too. Oh, and it's okay. uh, so it'll be interesting. I'm glad you brought them along so we can talk about how you guys work together because there seems to be a uh, a massive sort of synergy, not to use a gross word, uh, between what you guys are doing. Um, this is your second album. We're here to talk about Spirit House. Yes, correct. Uh, when we talked about your first album, you were just formulating this. You're getting ready to go into the studio. And record it. What were the starts of, of these songs? Like, you mean with the songwriting process? Yeah. Or, um, well, a lot of that material had, um, I started writing it while I was wrapping up the first album. Mm -hmm. And uh, so basically, um, you know, finished writing most of the songs by uh, the end of last summer, and I shared them with Ethan. And then Ethan spent some time developing arrangements for the mm -hmm. songs and by december we had uh arrangements that we could share with musicians and right. we started rehearsing and um, we were gearing up for a show where we were going to have a chance to play with the full ensemble at a uh, common tone it was mm -hmm. this music series presented by university of maryland 
And we were also using that rehearsal time to get ready to go into the studio. So so this was like you were sort of building towards it. When um, when she gave you these songs, you worked on the first album, correct? Uh, yeah, I, but just as a bass player, I only played on, was it two songs? Yeah. Yeah, so it, I didn't come in there guns blazing with right. the arranging stuff. I was originally just a bass player. Just, just sitting in. And yeah. so when she said, hey, I, I want you to arrange this, because that's, that's your background, correct? Um, sort of. I mean, I'm sort of, you know, uh, I'm not formally trained as an arranger. Right. I don't have an academic degree in it or anything, but uh, it's something that I've always sort of done to some extent and, you know, love to do. Yeah. And so when she came to you with these things, were you like, holy shit, like, <laughs> like what do I do now? Well, I think it was... Uh, you said you were going to make the songs chamberific. Uh, was, was, was that the term <laughs> I used? Uh, like sounds a, like something I would say. Two summers You succeeded, ago. sir. <laughs> oh. Well, I yeah. think, yeah, it was sort of... Um, I was probably the one who floated the idea of writing arrangements. Uh-huh. Um, you know, she didn't have to drag me into it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a very gradual process because originally I was just playing bass. Mm-hmm. Um, and then by the time the album, she'd already finished Derive, um, I was sort of, I was working on arrangements for some of those songs okay. and some of uh, the new material that would then go on Spirit House, which yeah. she had already written. Um so originally it was, you know, I was just writing for, like, bass, cello, and violin. Uh-huh. Um, and we kind of rode with that for a while. We did the, ti- uh, did the Tiny Desk concert with that configuration. Right. Um, and we continued to play as a duo. So, um, you know, even at that point, there were still just lots of different kind of modes in which we played, like, as a, with a string trio or just as a duo. Mm-hmm. And then gradually I started creating larger and larger arrangements. Um, and uh, the first test run of that was, like Marion said, the Common Tone show right. back right. in February. And, and the final product is, is what's on Spirit House. And the, the Common Tone group, is that something you met at the uh, Strathmore Artists in Residence? Uh, that Didn't was separate from the Strathmore, okay. but we worked with the same group for both shows. Okay. and so. But Common Tone worked on the album? Oh, no. Common, uh, well, um, we gathered a group of musicians that we could play with for the Common Tone show, mm-hmm. and they were also with us for the Strathmore. Common Tone is just the name of the series. Yeah, okay. That presented the show. Yeah. Who, who, who's doing the strings on the uh, album? That would be in, Invoke is playing. That, I think that's yeah. the one that you're talking about. Oh, yeah, they were Strathmore yeah, Artists okay. in Residence. Um, yeah. When... One thing that jumps out like immediately, like uh, listening to both, listen to both today... This, um, both are very, uh, I don't think you'll be surprised by me saying this, but it's a very Anglo-oriented, um, you know, you're, you guys are looking at, uh, uh, at least partially British folk music, like, like it was like the most serious thing in the world. And a lot of people don't necessarily do that and interpret that through, you know, like Kate Bush, Fairport Convention, uh, getting back into, especially what we were talking about. Uh, last time you were here, uh, the stories you're trying to tell and requiring that music. But getting into this, uh, especially if you get to a song like Kapunka, there seems to be a little bit more uh, fun on the album, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely with that track. It's, um, you know, whereas uh, the first album seemed very... Uh, organized songs throughout it this is you have like uh even magic falter starts off like that uh then you get into your string arrangements there which is at i don't know it's near the end of the song but it it's a journey all in one song to uh your bower which is what if i'm listening to marion mcguffin this is what i would expect and then hit that song it's like whoa what what's going on are you um did you find yourself being influenced by different things when you set out to make this material um, probably. I mean, I listen to all kinds of music mm-hmm. and genres. Uh, I can't really pinpoint, like, what I was specifically listening to around that time. But um, I remember I, that that song is about, uh, you know, little experiences I had while traveling through Thailand. Right. Kapunka, which means uh, thank you in Thailand. In, in Thai, sorry, it means thank you in Thai. And uh, I would just, like, tried to transfer the energy that I was feeling there into a song. 
And I came back and I just wanted to write something like joyful and that you could dance to. Right. A lot of my songs are really serious. Heat mingles by the mingle co-host. We did our toes into the Andaman Sea. There was so much both of us to see. But we were rendered lazy by the heat. Like a water buffalo. It's not even that they're serious. They're very aggressively like yours. Yeah. I think, which is something um, uh, that I want to talk about a little at some point. Where it's, if you listen to your albums, a lot of people make albums and they're like, maybe this will fall into this thing, and I'm doing this for this reason, you know, for the market. There's no, uh, to my ear, I think, necessarily discernible market, like for doing, like in that sense, but in, in the sense that, like, this is a serious artist who's making a thing that is specifically hers, and it is you're only going to get it from someone like you. Uh, that ends up like on the record, and um, this in a different way, I think, uh, because of those fun aspects. It, it's just a. It wasn't jarring. <laughs> it was more like, like oh wow, I'm I'm getting to know Marion more like in this thing instead of like Marion telling stories. It felt like a lot more personal. Uh, I mean, was yeah. I mean, does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. I think there's like so many avenues that you can go when you're writing a song, and at the time when I was writing that song, I was just like experimenting with a loop mm-hmm. pedal and trying to come up with riffs on electric guitar that I could layer, right. and and just coming up with um, like little themes that I could try to like sing along with, mm-hmm. and so. Yeah, just definitely trying to do something different. It's always striving to see how I can expand as a musician. Right, because or, on that song, you know, you're you have bands like actually Daria was just upstairs listening to like Vampire Weekend, who try to appropriate like an islandy sound, the more bouncy sound and stuff, which is that song very much takes on that feel, uh, but it doesn't feel I guess like a indie rock cop out <laughs> you know okay. it feels yeah. like it feels genuine like like you've like thought about you've explored the music and this is what it should sound like for what you're trying to express um, there's another yeah. song on this album near the end uh, which is similar although uh, I do want to figure out where this came from the legend of the neighborhood oh yeah which is a great <laughs> but it has uh, you know, those two stand out as the like least like Anglo type stuff. Um, that it still retains you guys' identity, but it's also like doing something else. That one very clearly in the lyrics, you're like, wait, what? <laughs> you know, you're talking about magicians and all this stuff throughout the album, and then it gets to that, and you're like, oh, it's just you know the coolest guy in the neighborhood. And there's the most epic uh, Glenn Fry or Baker Street worthy sax break in that. <laughs> when you were getting to that point in the song and said hey you know what this is what should go here Ethan Ethan came up with that idea right yeah some kind of solo well the the first time that I heard Marion sing that song Mm -hmm. was we were performing you know with our little string trio kind of chamber format at the Smithsonian Mm -hmm. right and the loose unplug series right right and Marion did that song as an encore acapella Mm-hmm. And I was just totally thrown off guard because I had never heard her do anything like that before. It was this song with this kind of like 
it, it sounded different from the way that we do it on the album, but it had this kind of like halftime, right? Like almost yeah. hip hop kind of back. Right. That's actually no, and that, that's that's the thing. It's like it yeah. jumps from it's just fantastic jump from like uh, what like I expect to like something like I've never heard you say you know yeah. saying, and I was just like. What's going on? Yeah, and it, it originally had no instrumental part, but uh-huh. then Marion wrote one, and um, the kind of groove that it had lent itself very much to this sort of, like, kind of, I don't know, like, early, mid-70s kind of Motown. Feel, right, Which right. is, you know, and I love that stuff, yeah. especially as a bass player, and um, I just kind of heard that, and we just threw this, um, you know, that kind of right uh, a drum beat over it, and then this very sort of like James Jamerson-esque bass line <laughs> with a flat wound bass mm-hmm. and the, you know, tube amp and uh, the horns just seemed like a, uh, the natural thing to do. Yeah. Uh, just with a like kind of, you know, horn section of trumpet, sax and, uh, and trombone. So. Yeah. And the sax is very specific to solos at that time. Almost like right, pop right, right. soul and everything. Right. The and verb. The yeah. 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 And, it it, was, yeah. and it was like, Oh, Wow, that's fascinating. That's yeah. fantastic. Because that's that's my so, like sweet spot. Saxophone. <laughs> but, well, saxophone like that. Oh, nice. It drives yeah. people crazy because I'm like, if you put on uh, "Careless Whisper," like like by Wham or uh, George Michael stuff like that, like I'm just like, yes, that's the saxophone <laughs> yeah. uh, that you need, and it obviously like populates a bunch of old uh, stacks hits, like you said. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, in so when you got to that song, you said. Uh, when you were doing those arrangements, did you do those out, like, was that a separate process from doing the other more Anglo arrangements? Um, I don't remember exactly when I wrote the Legend of the Neighborhood arrangement. I mean, it, it was uh, approximately the same time that I was writing the arrangements for our first show with the Big Ensemble mm-hmm. in February. So at that point, um, I guess I would have been uh i was i was still doing you know i it was uh in close proximity to right. the, to the other arrangements um but it, yeah it, it was kind of the the outlier um so it was kind of a refreshing uh change but you know as, as someone who plays all kinds of music yeah. and has historically been a, a jazz musician um you know that was still that that came pretty naturally um to yeah. me but even it even um even the the horn parts on that song have a kind of kinship to the yeah. arrangements on the other songs insofar as they're very kind of contrapuntal and uh-huh. very you know they dance around each other um you know it could have been a lot more sort of uh you know pop oriented sure, kind sure. of horn arrangement yeah, yeah um so there is that 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 thread running through right. um even legend of the neighborhood that, that carries over from the other songs. I think. So, so to that point, working together, you guys, uh, that seems to be at least, um, you know, as a player and an arranger, but you as the writer of this, uh, this type of music seems to be your sweet spot. Um, is that something that you like invest like into like studying or is it just something that when you play it, like that's how, that's what feels right for you to do. When I write a song, it just, it's what intuitively that's, feels it just, right what develops i didn't really study what i'm currently right. doing and i took some music courses uh-huh. and got a minor in music but yeah. almost failed all the classes because <laughs> i had no idea like theoretically like what was going but on. you don't sit around all day like listen to kate bush or maybe you do um no i i don't i i need to listen to more kate bush uh, that's fascinating because if you you told me that i'd be like no you don't because you're doing like this type of stuff that she was doing oh cool i know i'm more more inspired to listen to it yeah i mean no it's fascinating like i said it doesn't um the market is 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 better is is you it's this is your type of music because a lot of people try to do like uh almost revivalist stuff like this and it comes off very like boring impersonal and then it it's not complex it doesn't it, it seems almost like this pop version of this stuff whereas you guys have dove like headfirst like maximum nerd into what you're going to do <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean it is it is it is this uh, more so than the last record um to me is in a fantastic sense such a deeply nerdy record that it's just you you put it on and you're just like i 
I mean, this is not stuff that I normally listen to, but I put it on. I'm like, well, now I got, I have to. And then I'm like, why don't I listen to this more? <laughs> it's, you know, it, it, I mean, you said, you, you set out like you're just writing songs, but you, when you put them all together, um, is anything in the back of your head saying, I'm going to take this person on a journey? Oh, definitely. I mean, when I'm writing and when I'm performing, so um, there's all kinds of narratives and there are a lot of like, themes going on. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a concept album because, like, I mean, the songs connect in some ways, but... Because concept albums are ridiculous, but... <laughs> yeah, but, um, <laughs> like, there's a lot of, like, water theme. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. Which I, I didn't really seek out and i didn't really think about till someone brought that up recently mm-hmm. uh, sam says at wtmd and i'm like oh yeah you're right there there's a lot of water um, once that was pointed out did you like look back and try to think of like why you might have tapped into that theme um i guess so i mean uh well ethan also pointed it out when we did our comment on show because it was land Land, air, and sea. Oh. <laughs> that was the name a, of the show. Yeah, that's yeah. how we presented it because there's, you know, um, this idea of like there's all kinds of like psychogeography in some of some of the songs, and mm-hmm. Ethan could probably explain it better because he picked the title. Um, yeah, I guess the, well, the title just sort of seemed to encapsulate the uh, the sort of expansive uh, nature of the of the music yeah. and the sort of different um, landscapes that the listener gets um, sort of plopped into. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually a really good yeah. way of putting it because it is uh, very uh, cinematic, mm-hmm. which a lot of times, I mean, that, that can mean a whole lot of things. Right. I mean, <laughs> and there's some stuff on here that is a little more expansive. There's some stuff could be specifically like, oh, yeah, I mean, that scene in this movie. I haven't seen the movie. Right. Like, but, right. like, I know this is going on right now. And the water thing. I mean, someone commented that about my album, too. And I guess I hadn't really thought about it. Right. There's really? a lot of water themes. And, Light on the water. Yeah. Right, right. Right. Ocean themes. Yeah. So. Yeah. True. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, it's, a, you know, stylistically, as you've been alluding to, very, very, mm-hmm. uh, very diverse album. Yeah. There's everything from the you know, huge kind of pseudo-orchestral mm-hmm. stuff, like the song Calm Canary of the Arctic Sea, yeah. to the more intimate kind of chamber, um, you know, stuff with just the string quartet, uh, two songs like Kapunka and Legend of the Neighborhood, which are, you know, just kind of funky, yeah. you know, rock songs. Yeah. Uh, and then there's a kind of like psychedelic edge in um, uh, Will of the Wisp. And then there's stuff that's even more stripped down like that than the, the mm-hmm. than that, like the um, Painted Windowsill, which is the only song on the album that's just Marion. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's really quite a spectrum of of stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it fits in with, I mean, a lot of people are doing, like, uh, well, you, you know, Riley Walker. Like oh, His yeah, album is yeah. very, not, not it it's similar in its uh, Anglo-ness, I guess, like exploring these things. His is specifically guitar based mm-hmm. and stuff but definitely gets i mean there's a lot of the work on here uh the bass work on it, it recalls stuff like old van morrison mm-hmm. um amidst this like huge like orchestration that is like that's not old van morrison but then you hear stuff in there and uh it seems you guys are pulling from a, a pretty deep well yeah well uh, it's it's interesting you mentioning kate bush because i mean for one thing i don't tend to think of her i guess in the same um breath is like you know fairport convention right richard no. thompson but i i actually but you, i listened to the kick inside in its entirety yesterday mm-hmm. when i was driving mm-hmm. um and um definitely i recognized you know a lot of well this sounds like the kind of stuff that i'm I th- really into and especially those melodic kind yeah. of bass lines and um, yeah I, th- I think people like her and there were some, a few others that it uh the english folk of, of the 60s and stuff sort of expanded into whatever it it wanted to mm. be, and so she was doing stuff that claimed with her. I think it's more her her voice, her singing, and yeah. that's what I recognize when I hear you sing. Okay. Uh, it's like the phrasing and the honestly the timber and stuff. Which uh, I, I don't know if I, I said this last time you were down here. After listening, to this, your voice is fucking amazing, Marion. Oh, thank you. <laughs> like, I don't. There's no way <laughs> it is. You, the moments when on this album when it pulls back and you're, it's just you singing, it's just like it's chill inducing. 
Well, so, uh, great to hear. yeah, it, 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 so, you know, and that may be why you, you pull all this off, you know, all these disparate influences and everything in there, because you have this anchor, a human anchor, mm-hmm. um, that, uh, that just sort of lets other people like tap into it. Um, but with the, the folk stuff, they, uh, I mean, even, I hate to say like even early Genesis and even some of the mm-hmm. prog stuff, mm-hmm. all of those guys were pulling from that because especially yeah. at that time they were, they were all raised on classical music. Right. It wasn't like America where people were raised on like big band and swing and stuff, yeah. and, you know, even though that was over mm-hmm. there, but they were classical music. So they jumped from classical music to, uh, the Beatles and Rolling Stones and yeah. stuff. And they're still like, but I you know, four generations in a chamber orchestra, what do I do? And it's like, right. well, you start a band called Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's, yeah. uh, which we actually just did a podcast about Yes. Mm-hmm. 85 minutes of three dudes just like rambling <laughs> on. It was meant to be, uh, in my mind, very informative. Instead, it was just fun for us. Yeah. So I'm sorry. Well, yeah. I'm not sorry. Like 200 people have listened to it. So. In memory of <laughs> Chris Squire. Huh? In memory of yeah, Chris Squire. Yeah, well, yeah. it was. Yeah. It was weird because... Um, you know, and actually, there's a I forget which song it is on there because I was listening for that, and there's a point where you pull a little Chris, Chris Squire. <laughs> it's the te- it just it's like four measures, and you're, I was just like, oh, there it is, <laughs> yeah. there it is. <laughs> He's great. Cause, yeah, because as a bass player, you can't be like, ah, I don't know Chris Squire. Right, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Which song was that? Just out of curiosity. I will have to find it and All let right, you yeah. know. Wonder, Get back to me. On that. I wonder if it was like the bass role on Legend. Maybe it could have been, yeah. but it was very, it was very jumped out, and it was very, uh, you know, it was just normal bass, and all of a sudden it was like, I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. oh, there it is. So we listened to Fragile a lot on our tour last <laughs> yeah. year in the car. Yeah, that makes so that much. It was kind of on repeat. I like, well, can we listen to Yes again? Yes. <laughs> I well, uh, so uh, she does not like. Yes, so much. She does not celebrate their entire catalog. But I took Iceland as an opportunity to, uh, I was like, well, we're going to listen to Yes songs. We just did the thing. Uh, When we blew the tire uh, that I was telling you guys about, um, we were blasting uh, Heart of the Sunrise. Mm. And it was all like aggro, yes, and proud, yes. All of a sudden, just an explosion in the tire just flying. I was like, oh, "Oh, this is not making my case. But uh, yes, it's good to listen to on a trip, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. he is. Um, so, I mean, could you guys go full Prague? Do you think? I mean, I I like Prague music. Yeah. I mean, I in high school I listened to a lot of King Crimson and Yes and Genesis, and I've listened to like um, like Dysrhythmia, which is like more mm-hmm. like kind of like instrumental like metal kind of Prague, yeah. and all sorts of acts that um just do like long extensions and interesting mm-hmm. song formats so what's the yeah. what's the longest song on this what's what the longest song on this oh i think it's, <laughs> i think there's I a think tie it's magic i think ma- even magic falters beats out calm canary by, by like, like a, a second? few seconds <laughs> yeah. does it uh, what's the long actually i have it up it's, it's like uh, seven minutes seven nineteen okay so it's not necessarily a suite <laughs> uh, are there any like sweets in your mind like secret sweets in this album uh, no, I think those are as long as they get this time. Okay. Around. So, so that song, uh, Every Magic Falters, um, what is, uh, in your mind, like the gist of, of what are you getting? Because it starts off, uh, with the lyric, you know, Harry Houdini died, uh, in his sleep from internal bleeding. And then yeah. you, and then you go and just list different like magicians, uh, throughout the song. So what, what were you getting at? I think I was just trying to get at how there's these figures that like magicians or wizards mm-hmm. that have all this supernatural power, but still have like hubris or like, mm-hmm. you know, mistakes or things that, um, that can bring them down. And I wrote it at a time when I was trying to like concoct a spell or something to just like right. uh, get a boost in my life. Yeah. And I felt like I was failing each time. Yeah. Like I was just feeling like sick a lot, just, and I didn't know why, and I was just, well, maybe if I, like, uh, eat this thing or go to, like, a Kundalini yoga class or mm-hmm. do this, and I felt like I was, like, trying to look for all these, like, homeopathic things and yeah. almost, like, spells, like, how can I make myself feel better? Right. And then I started thinking about, like, you know, ma- magicians and things like that, and the song just 
kind of came together. Sort of came out of the blob? Yeah, out of the blob. <laughs> out of the blob. <laughs> songs on this dealing with like that feeling or? oh with winter coming in with winter coming in right. with you trying to i guess get feeling like something's off you know you want to try this and try this and you know get stuff to work for you personally um not too sure i haven't really thought about the songs in that way um the winter song i just i wrote those lyrics like five years ago during the snowpocalypse and yeah that, and that's actually when i heard it i was like <laughs> This has to be Snowpocalypse. Yeah, it was. Because <laughs> it was like, I was asleep, and I, now I need to know when this started. Because there's, like, you leave out that there's 40 feet of snow outside. Yeah, it was insane. I don't think I went to work for, like, two weeks or right. something. But, um, yeah, well, I just had that song, and I would come up with, like, a guitar part for it by the time that most of these songs were mm -hmm. wrapping up. And I was like, oh, I think that would be a nice closeout song for the album. So, just... Yeah. You know, something simple because there's so many other things going on the album. It was nice to have a track with just me and my guitar. Yeah. As well. Did uh, did this turn out how you wanted? Yeah, and more. I did. I know you emailed me and you See, were you were it. like you were super excited. I was. <laughs> I've been sitting on it all summer. I've been like, okay, gotta do like the proper like self promotion stuff. So, but but when you started, when when you were like, I'm gonna make this album. What what did you want it to be? Um, I definitely wanted it to be like what what you have heard. I, yeah. I wanted I wanted all kinds of instruments involved. I didn't know how to make that happen. Um, uh, luckily, I started working with Ethan two years ago and mm -hmm. began to meet other musicians and learn a little bit more about that side of the world rather than just like having a friend come over and like yeah. jamming being like well there are quartets that you can work with right and, right you know there are there can people you can put the chart in front of and be like just do this yeah just to have like the scores of music that yeah. ethan came up with is like such a phenomenal gift because you know if like for instance the trombone player matt hotez that we worked with on the album like, he moved away but we we're able to find another trombone player to right. learn the parts and that's something that we can always have now, and it's really nice. It's um, all these ideas are kind of pooled in yeah. one place, and we can always, um, when we play live, it can be just me, or it could be me and Ethan, or right. me and a ten, me and a ten-piece ensemble. So, so you're comfortable with the songs like being taken down to just the very. Totally. Stuff. Yeah. I love playing like Calm Canary solo. It's, right. It's a right. lot of fun. But it's also really cool when there's all these, like this whole little musical world happening around it. We, we actually, um, uh, you play with Sarah Curtin. Mm -hmm. And we were mm -hmm. talking about this very thing, um, uh, a song of hers. No, uh, uh, oh, it's the second song on the album. Uh, she starts, um, and it's, it's a vocal round in this thing. 
And she's sort of actually the opposite of she's like, yeah, they do exist on uh, at this very like level. I can do it myself. But now that she's heard all the like vocal stuff that she did to it, mm. like when she's playing them, it, it's all in her head and it's hard for her to like oh, actually yeah. catch up to it. And she's like, oh, my God. Yeah. What have I done? Um, yeah. Well, the songs have all kind of gone on journeys and yeah. you know different journeys and they, they exist in many different forms. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and and all the, even though we have you know written parts and stuff, I think the individual talents and idiosyncrasies of the different musicians on the albums yeah. and the different musicians that we've played with are definitely a big part of um, of what makes it sound the way it does. Right. Um, you know, everyone that we've worked with has been great, but all those individual musicians have you know different strengths to bring. Yeah. To the table. Unfortunately, they're all very kind of eclectically minded um, as well. You know, mm-hmm. none of them are just classical musicians or just jazz musicians yeah. or just rock musicians. They all have a pretty, um, you know, they have broad horizons like yeah. we do. So they're they're all, um, you know, eager to to kind of jump in whatever mix we're. Did anything that they on. were doing when when you you've done the arrangement and like. You've you've been like yeah this is gonna work out and everything and then all of a sudden like member of uh, one of the string groups comes in and says what if we did this that happened a, a, a handful of times bit. yeah I mean one thing yeah. that that definitely happened was you know I'm I have much more experience writing for strings than I do for winds right yeah <laughs> and so when I first wrote some of those arrangements um, I think it was the trumpet player came to me and, and said. You know, these are great parts, but some of those notes we just can't hit, and some of those notes are are too long. Because I don't, you know, I didn't think about that. Like, oh, with when you're breathing into the instrument, did you like hit him and scream like, "You don't know my dream"? <laughs> no, no, I, 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 I realized, you know, that I yeah. just was thinking like a string player, and you know, oh, yeah. you can just keep bowing that one note yeah. for 15 measures, but you can't do that as a wind instrument. Yeah. So, yeah. so that was a good education for me. Um, I, I learned a lot from. Mm-hmm. Um, from all those musicians. And also I just learned about how, you know, you can write whatever you want, but then you run up against practical considerations yeah. of, of all different kinds. And um, and so, you know, there I, I really had to be kind of open and receptive to constructive criticism and to just mm-hmm. suggestions for how to tweak things so that it could be a little more, a little more manageable. Yeah. Beyond that, like, how do you, as, because I think, from what I'm getting from you, Marion, is that working with Ethan and, and all these people has sort of expanded your palette a little more now. Even though it seemed pretty expansive before, but now you've got like you're aware, more aware, and more comfortable with working with all these different uh, elements that you can plug into it. Yeah. For you, uh, Ethan, how do you has working with Marion changed like how you do stuff or interact with other musicians? Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, working with Marion has been a tremendous opportunity to just explore, um, writing music, mm-hmm. uh, and taking music that someone else has written and imagining new possibilities for it. And also just maintaining a delicate balance between, you know, preserving the, what's already there and what's mm-hmm. already great about it. And then, you know, bringing that out by, um, you know, just exploring what can be kind of built on that foundation. And, um, yeah, I mean, beyond that, just all the, all the technical, um, work that that requires has Mm -hmm. been, you know, has really forced me to flex a lot of different muscles, um, as a musician, you know, both as a bass player and, um, and as a, as an arranger and, and you know and and as a bass player you know when i first started playing with marion like on her first album i um was almost kind of hesitant to play arco to play with a bow because yeah. i was still you know most of my gigs were still just jazz gigs and i never really had to worry about taking out a bow but i kind of it was really because of marion that i forced myself to practice regularly with a bow and improve yeah. my my bowing and now i would say it's the tables have turned completely now i mostly yeah <laughs> um uh play with the bus so it forced me to to really improve on on my own instrument aside from all the right. you know all the arranging 
So, yeah. So the album is done, and you guys are getting ready to release it. You said it's, what are the dates right now? Well, there's like a soft release Baltimore show on uh, September 4th okay. at the Creative Alliance, and then um, more like an official release on September 23rd in D.C. at Capitol Fringe. And both of those shows are with the ensemble right. and, and then some. You know, there's, I think we're, Unlike even Magic Falters, we're going to get Mike Okusami, who plays bass. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he's going to play bass on that song, but he engineered the album. Oh. And that will give Ethan a chance to play his 12-string on that song. So, oh, nice. so we're going to have like a, you know, all sorts of like little extra details. Yeah. And then we're making the violinist, Nick Montopoli, the viol- first violinist to invoke, play bass on a... Well, the wisp, so that I can play twelve strings. So that's the other great thing so about all these. Just throwing everybody. Out the yeah. All, the other great thing about all these musicians is that they can all play different instruments. If yeah. we need to do a little kind of switcheroos like that, you know, mm, everyone's yeah. cool with it. The and once it's out, and these are these are release shows we're talking about. Once it's out, do you have a uh, a plan for getting it in people's faces? Is it, are you going to like tour with this? Or are you going to uh, you know just play locally a bunch of shows? Like, how's this going to work for you? Yeah, we have a little tour um, that I'm putting together at the end of September. And um, hopefully we'll be doing that with the string trio. Mm-hmm. Just Ethan's been working on modifying the arrangements. Um, still trying to fill in some little holes of the tour puzzle. Because, like, last week had two venues cancel on me. So that's it's a lot of work, booking your own tours, doing your own yeah. everything. But, you know... It, it, it's it, it's I don't know kind of fun I guess <laughs> it, yeah. it has to happen. No one's doing it for me, so um, I'm gonna also, I'm gonna do it. There's also a fun aspect of it that I didn't realize. I, I hadn't been on like uh, a road trip for a while, and we went oh, through yeah. Iceland, and it, we were driving every day, and I was like, this is sort of like being on tour. <laughs> like, and, you know, we're getting up yeah. in the morning, we're doing stuff, and. And I was like, man, I actually really like this. I can see like going out and uh, you know doing something like that. It's um, and uh, I, I can see the challenges for you guys bringing on like a large group. But I think I talked to you about Mother Falcon um, oh, last yeah. time you're not here. I don't know how uh, they tour. That's that must be insane. Well, I tell you how they tour, and this is why you should get in touch with them because <laughs> uh, they uh, a few of them live up in Maryland. Their parents, they're from here, mm-hmm. and so what they'll do is they'll come here, and I. I need to get in touch with them because they're going to be here soon they come and they base there and so they have friends all through the dc area and, and up there and they'll do like essentially like residencies in areas not towns except for new york so they're going to be here they're going to go up uh i think to new york and play like a group of like four shows and then come back and take a couple of days off at home and then do that so they treat like they have a base in, okay. in different parts of the country and that's yeah. how they get the whole group out. Mm. That's a good sense. Yeah. yeah. Have you guys thought about, I mean, because you're basically making up charts and bringing these along about going to another city and just uh, doing a tour where you pick up a string group in the city? Um, I mean, that's that's definitely passed through my mind. The thing about that is um, you can do that, but nothing compares with, like... right playing with musicians who really know the material really well and who's mm-hmm. kind of uh, from whom you can take cues and really be comfortable with, you know, playing the music. Especially kind of if you've been playing it on out. the road. Right. Because after a while, like, you know, it's not just like you play a show here, you play a show there, you play a show every night. Right, right, And you right. get to know, like, the little different things. Yeah. I think that everybody does. Yeah. And, and um, yeah, I mean, it, you know, playing with the same musicians over and over again that just you develop a kind of level of comfort that you you don't if you just kind of throw charts in front of mm. even really good musicians because um, you know everyone needs to be able to adapt to the way Marion sings and mm-hmm. the way she plays her guitar because she's not playing from mm-hmm. from a chart um, you know that everyone needs to be able to work around that and that requires a lot of listening and a lot of you know it, it takes a while to be able to to get to that level of comfort and and just ability for listening. Yeah. Do you ever do any improv when you're singing? Not really. Or do, really. You, do you stick straight to it? Yeah. I mean, maybe I'll like do like little different things with sure. like an inflection or like 
little nuances of how I'm delivering the song, right. but um, I just spend so, many, so much time developing the song that I stick to it when I'm performing. Right. Yeah. And how, because um, you're, you're in Baltimore and mm-hmm. you live in an art space. How does that, uh, has it been like really supportive of what you're doing, especially for this album? Uh, I'd say that my roommates are all really great. And yeah. I mean, we all have our own lives going on and various projects, but it's definitely like supportive in a sense that they feel like family. Like I, I'll yeah. come home from like a long day of recording and there's like dinner waiting, like somebody like cook like a big like batch of curry or something right. like that. Um, so like it's all the little things about like everyday life that's been really nice working with them. I'm living with them and working with them. And um, there's not too much, like, cross-collaboration lately. I think it's because, like, all, all my roommates, like, we do all kinds of mediums. Yeah. But um, every now and then we'll get together for a little something. So. Have an album with all your roommates on there. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. A hip-hop mixtape, perhaps? Like an acid house thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, have you guys ever thought about uh, doing any type of soundtrack work? Oh wow! Um, I wouldn't. I, mean, you I have, wouldn't know where to begin. You, you, I mean, yeah. b- between both of you, you definitely have like you should be hired by somebody to just yeah. be like. I mean, it is a little. It's obviously depersonalizes what you do, but at the same time, something like that pays the bills. Yeah. I mean, if you talk with uh, Louis Weeks, that's what he does for a living. Oh yeah. Makes commercial music. He's really good at what he. He's does. really good at what he does. <laughs> I I took a class in film scoring a couple yeah. of years ago uh, with a composer in, in New York City. Um, and since then, I've kind of, uh, you know, I haven't really buckled down and, and done it. But that is definitely something that I um, have the ambition to yeah. to do. It's just sort of a matter of, you know, really committing to going out and finding the work. Right. Because uh, other people have, have said that to me, too, that there's, you know kind of a cinematic quality to cinematic quality and i mean look i mean you're in the right place for it like some people say new york or but i mean you get to work with her right (laughs) um you know we talked about the house show scene last time you're on marion but that i think that goes beyond just like musicians like the amount of creative people Mm -hmm. flowing through these scenes like you're going to see babe city tonight Mm -hmm. so they've got people like michael andrade is a photographer who's been doing some like amazing work uh, yeah. Even though he's been using a flash, which pisses me off, but but he gets amazing results. So mm-hmm. um, you know, it's not inconceivable you can be at one of these, and all of a sudden there's a guy. Hey, I'm making a documentary. Right. Um, hey, yeah. I'm doing this. You know, and then, and then uh, which is something um, I always say this. Like when I moved to DC, that is the last thing I expected to run into. Like the the huge like creative class here. But it's big, it's getting bigger, um, and it's getting, like, way more interesting like than just, you know, discord and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's so much happening in this city, in every city. I think, like, sometimes people think, oh, you have to be, like, an artist or a musician to be creative. And I'm like, no, you no. can be an engineer and be creative. Yeah. Like, you can, that's, that's actually you can be so- a software designer and mm-hmm. be incredibly creative and out, out of the box. You can be, like, a restaurant owner. And so this creativity is just, like, everywhere. And that's the thing yeah. we dry, try to drive home again and again on this podcast. Like, you yeah. can, like, uh, yeah, whatever, however you want to create. Yeah. yeah, teaching. Daria, Daria like crafts education policy. That's creative mm-hmm. as hell. Like different, yeah. much different result than just like someone's own like personal edification or you're doing something that like somebody else you hope will enjoy, but it's still like creative as hell. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, that's uh, um. We're running up, getting on around like forty five minutes. So okay. uh, if anything else you guys want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Come to the release show. <laughs> Come to the release show? Please. Well, we, we are going to have uh, all of it. I don't know that this will be out in time for the first one. That's okay. If so, but we're, we're, I mean, you know, all our, what, 1,500 followers. Um, although, uh, we mentioned this on one podcast. I got a ridiculous thing uh, from PJ Sykes. I don't know if you know him. He's a music photographer, um, semi-famous, but he, he is also in a band called Hoax Hunters out of Richmond, Virginia. Also runs a thing called Cherub uh 
records. And so record labels, what they do is they will solicit services from people. And they're like, these are the people you should reach out to, to like, if you want to get your stuff heard. And some ridiculous one in England had us rated 23rd in the world, most influential in music blog. So there you go. Wow. wow. Uh, the math is solid. It's <laughs> only because we don't publish shit. <laughs> yeah. we, we do, you know, 1,700 posts in like uh, two, the last two years as opposed to like 500,000. Yeah. For, uh, but it was, uh, yeah. It, it was it was interesting to find that out. No. Um, so you've got that influence behind you, is what I'm saying. Cool. Um, yeah, but we'll put all those in the show notes, and uh, I will definitely be at the Capital Friends Show because I still haven't seen you. The last time, oh, yeah. I, uh, I I yeah. also wanted to see Soak. Oh, last that, time. that was a good show. Was she good? Yeah, she was great. I I had some screw ups, but they were yeah. It was just really cold. It was like blasting ac street on the stage yeah. and it's hard to like play guitar when you're hard to play and hard to sing like in the, yeah but she was phenomenal i'm just like very very blown away by her songwriting craftsmanship and um just like the depth of her of like what she's bringing to the table and how she presented it and performed yeah huh. i'm glad i got to meet her and hear her awesome mm-hmm well, thank you guys for coming down so much. Thank uh, you. As always, I said last time, anytime you want to come back, Marion, uh, same goes for you, Ethan. Like, just come hang out if you want. Oh, uh, awesome. we, we didn't get Gus down to. here, but okay. next time, hopefully. Oh, <laughs> I sat by the paint chipped windowsill silently. Watching winter slowly spill, dispersing, worsening, washed out by whiteness and wind. Having just woken up, I wondered. Thanks again to uh, Marion and Ethan for choosing to spend a little time in the basement to talk about their new album, Spirit House. Uh, Spirit House is going to be out on September 4th. You can buy it. We're going to recommend you should buy it. And like, let me, you know, you may be listening to this. We played a little clips of it uh, in this interview, maybe thinking like, oh, I'm, I, I don't have much experience with this type of music. I never thought of myself as someone who likes it. But I, I'm going to tell you, you know, sometimes you just got to step out of your comfort zone. Um, you know, you take a little musical journey. It's often on these journeys when we find out not just uh, more about art that we didn't know about, but we also sometimes find out more about ourselves and what you know, what makes us up and what moves us. And uh, I think I think that's going to happen if you listen to Spirit House uh, or go see her live, which you can do uh, in DC coming up at the end of the month. You can do in Baltimore. Uh, in fact, we're going to have a whole list of tour dates and keep that updated. And in general, you know, we'll just keep you updated on what she's doing. And if you want to pay attention, looking at the site. Uh, so that is about the end of that segment with Marion and Ethan. Uh, thanks again, guys. Uh, before we get out of here for the week, I want to play you a track by a guy that uh, goes by the name of Monk Parker. Uh, you may know him from some previous bands. He has a new album, uh, a solo album, and his first solo album out. It's called How the Spark Loves the Tinder. Um, if you are a fan of bands like Phosphorescent, uh, Moody, Atmospheric Folk, which, you know, honestly just fits in quite well with uh, Marion's album, uh, I think you're going to like this album. The single that I'm going to play for you out there is Sadly Yes. Uh, it is out now. Uh, so, you know, you can listen to it on audio, Spotify, Tidal or apple music or whatever you want to listen to it on but but uh you know you don't have to because we're going to play this song right now if you like it uh you know go out and dig it by uh, seeing him on tour or something so here you go this is uh monk parker the name of the song is sadly yes sadly yes i know just where Three, six, 
Parker is the name. Sadly, yes is the name of the song, and the name of the album is How the Spark Loves the Tinder, uh, which is out now for you to put in your ears, so uh, go ahead and do that. Uh, again, much like Miriam, we're going to have tour dates down in the show notes, so if he's coming to your town and you dug that, then dig it live. Dig it in person, in, in the real world, not just uh, in the space between your head. 
that is about our podcast for this week. Again, thanks for all our listeners for tuning in. Uh, if you like us, uh, please make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes. Although you can subscribe to us on uh, Stitcher if you like. Uh, it's internet sort of enabled radio. You know, Stitcher people, we see you. We love you. Um, if you like it a lot and are one of those people that has to like share your feelings and stuff, le- yeah, leave us a review. Five stars, four stars. I don't care. One star review. One star review will laugh probably in your general direction. But you know what? Any feedback is great feedback. So even if it's like, Kevin, will you shut up? Stop doing this podcast. It's, we're like, hey, you know, maybe we should consider that. Maybe we should do something else with our lives. Uh, not really. We're not going to stop anytime soon. Uh, but really, yeah, any any questions, anything, just, you know, reach out. We're here. Uh, in fact, uh, sometimes when you reach out, our next podcast, uh, Eduardo is going to be on. Uh, he's a new guy. And this, this is happening, you know, much like when Patrick came on. Uh, we slowly add people uh, to our sort of crew, our round table, and, uh, and then move forward. Uh, maybe that can be you. Maybe if you're interested in doing that and coming down and you know, saying stupid shit on a mic, you know, just reach out, man. Uh, so there it is. That's our podcast for this week. Uh, as always, be good to your ears, but be better your people, and we will see you in about seven days. Oh, <laughs> 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 <laughs>